I'm Taya. I'm Laura. And we are talking about Star Wars Episode 5, right? The Yes, Empire Strikes <laughs> Back. Yes. <laughs> I watched it yesterday. You'd think I'd remember, but I don't. So the very first thing is, I think this is the best role of all of them with the words like scrolling up. This is the best one, I think, because I knew all of the planets. Every person that I mentioned, I knew and had a background for, I had a reference for. The only thing that they mentioned that I didn't know was Hoth. And it explained that it's a remote eye system, which answered any questions I had about it. So Bravo, <laughs> that is the best role of the series so far. I agree. I really like Five, honestly. Most people, especially those who grew up with Star Wars, consider Five to be the best of the Star Wars movies. And I can see one. Yeah, I mean we haven't I haven't watched six in a really long time and we're gonna be watching that next week, but like so far with all the movies that we've watched, you know, episodes one through this, this is my favorite thus far. I think mine too. The ending is not, like, it has major, like, middle book syndrome, I guess, middle movie syndrome <laughs> for the ending. But the movie itself I really enjoyed, so it, it is my favorite. It has a really good feel, um, just kind of overall. Yeah, I have the least amount of notes, I think, on this one. I, and I looked up, like, changes they've made over the years. And honestly, the, most of the things that they've changed in later versions were just, like, um, oh, my gosh, why can I not remember? Like, when you watch a scene, the lighting and stuff, like, the lighting, the coloring, um, especially on the lightsabers and on the ice planet Hoth, they made it more blue and a bit more clear instead of kind of how white and fuzzy it was before. They added in that, like, more yeah, they added more monster. Yeah, they visually remastered it or digitally digitally remastered it. There we go. They added in shots of that Yeti type thing later on. And thank heavens it was not CGI. It was like a giant puppet, so it actually looked like it fit in with the rest yeah. of Star Wars. <laughs> yes. So that's about it for the changes that I, I was able to find, mostly just digitally remastering things. I made a couple they altered a couple lines, but nothing that like changed anything with the plot. So it didn't really matter, at least not to me. And then they gave us more Yeti. My first note for this one is the four, the poor Tauntauns or whatever they're called. <laughs> like yeah. the first one, the first one gets mauled by the yeti thingamabob and like just dies out there and then the second one he takes it out and it's freezing and then it freezes to death and then gets cut open for warmth like those poor creatures <laughs> both of them i just feel bad those poor little tauntaun oh i actually have a note sorry i have a note about the opening scroll that i just realized so in the scroll it says that darth vader was obsessed with finding young skywalker so, Darth Vader is aware that Lucas's son at this point is what I'm guessing since he's obsessed with finding young Skywalker. How do they find out the rebels' names? 
Um, I don't know how he found out, but he, at the end of four, obviously Darth Vader is in his little ship and then the Death Star explodes. And so he, uh, he probably was like, okay, who was the person I could feel like he, cause he, he mentioned that he could, the force was strong with this person. He felt it. So he already had like a little inkling into this person is special. So I'm guessing once they blew up the Death Star, like Luke probably got pretty famous as far as like rebels are throwing it around any of his spies. I mean, the empire is huge and goes, you know, has a very far reach. I'm sure they found it in some intelligence somewhere. And he was like, what? His last name's Skywalker. And so he was trying to find him. And then the emperor does, because the emperor says, no doubt this young Skywalker is the offspring of Anakin Skywalker. And he's like, are you sure? And he's like, search your feelings, Vader, like, you know. (laughs) And so, yeah, I did notice that in the role as well. And I was like, oh, I wonder if he, like, he knows. But then it kind of answered that question of, like, he didn't know for a fact, but he is pretty sure, like, he he figured it out. But here's the thing. We learn, now, if Owen really was Anakin's brother, like, truly, they, they share the same Skywalker name, I could see how... He could be like, oh, it could be my nephew or like another Skywalker because there's Skywalkers out there, right? But it's his stepbrother. They don't share the last name. So who else did he think it could be? Like that's that was something that so easily could have been fixed in the prequels. They just had to give Anakin a brother out there with the same last name somehow. Yeah. Either by changing everything about the prequels, which, as you know, wouldn't upset me. (laughs) Well, because... Smee's last name had to be Skywalker because he doesn't have a dad. But Smee could have siblings, like she could have cousins, and that would have her last name. So it could be like you know a, a second cousin could have kids named Skywalker. Yeah, I mean, I, they obviously got that. Yeah, yeah, we never, we never solidified that in the prequels that hey, like there's other Skywalkers out there. But it's kind of such a unique name. I mean, maybe not in their world. Maybe Skywalkers are like Smith in their world. I don't know. But it just when once once you watch the prequels, you kind of be, you're kind of like, well, who else could Luke have been to Vader? Because they don't really yeah. mention any other relations of any sort anywhere. Well, and he might have known it for a fact and just been in total denial because the Emperor told him that he killed Padme and the baby. And so he could have just been like, yeah, they're dead. And then he's like, wait a second, there's a boy out there with my last name who just happens to be the same age as my child would be. Huh, that's crazy. No way this is my like, yeah, like, because remember, like, he, he went evil, you know, to save Padme from dying, giving birth to this kid, you know. So he's probably got a lot of feels that he can't uh, work through. And he's just in denial. <laughs> and then but the emperor is like, search your feelings, do it. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, he's my kid. Sometimes I wish we could see Vader's face because that would kind of, the acting would clear up a few of these things. But yeah, maybe. But yeah. okay, anyway, so that was my first note was about that. Um, 
then onto the tauntauns. And then my next note was C-3PO is the opposite of comforting when trying to talk to Leia while Luke and Han are caught in the storm. C-3PO and R2 are my next note as well. And I just put like, they're still really funny, but they're not silly. Like in any way, they're like, C-3PO is not punny. He's not like dumb humor but he's hilarious because he's really a jerk and like you said he's not comforting or helpful at all he's just making things worse and that is funny (laughs) because it's (laughs) you know but it's not I don't know it's a completely different kind of humor than the prequel so I enjoy him a lot more but yeah very different types of humor and not helpful at all yeah, I really, I, I really enjoyed C-3PO and R2 in this episode. I think it's my favorite thus far of anything to do with them. I'm probably going to say that about just about everything in this movie. I really, everything in this movie is my favorite thus far for the most part. Yeah, I would say so. Do we know how long between episode four and episode five it's been? Um, No. I feel like that is something that we do know, but it doesn't really say. It has to have been at least a good number of months because Luke's a commander, Han's a captain. I don't know which one is higher than the other, but they're both ranking of some sort. Well, and she she said like eight months or something when he's oh. when um, Han is trying to leave. She says how long like he's been helping out, and it was months. So it's it's been like eight months to, to maybe a year. I don't know. Okay. I don't remember. But at some point she says, like, what, you've been helping all these months and now you're just going to leave or something like that. So, okay. Yeah. I, kind of I, I, oh, sorry. I was going to say, I would guess about a year. Yeah. Would, I feel like it would make sense that it's uh, that Jabba the Hutt is like super angry at him because he already had the like he was ready to kill him for the money in the first one and now it's been months and he still hasn't paid him back so kind of makes sense that uh Jabba the Hutt is really angry at Han Solo right now <laughs> yeah he's he's been waiting for his money for a while now um so the cutting off of the arm of the yeti thing um, I was wondering about that because I didn't remember a lot of that scene and it looked different to me, which makes sense that now it has new shots. <laughs> that makes sense now. Um, and it, it again, and then since I mentioned it in the prequels, I'm going to mention it now. I know the technology is different. I know this was an added scene, so there's lots of different cuttings and stuff, but he slices and the arm falls and the arm it shows where it's cut and then there's a shot of the Yeti and it's cut off at the shoulder, which clearly he did not cut off the arm at the shoulder, but just because, and I know like, yeah, but, but I have to mention it cause we mentioned it in the prequels. So if they're going to be doing stuff, then it needs to be at least somewhat, you know, cohesive when they're mm-hmm. chopping things arms off anyway (laughs) i think they just honestly don't know where they're gonna chop anything off like they have yet to match anything perfectly so they just are really bad at knowing where they chopped people's arms off then stop showing 
the arm on the floor. <laughs> that to me, like, stop showing the arm on the floor and don't show like because in this movie, at least, it it's a shot of him and he just slices towards the camera, and then we see the damage. We don't see him actually cutting off the arm like in the in the prequels where you actually see the arm get cut off and then you see Anakin laying on the floor with his arm cut in a completely different spot. This one, <laughs> it had the opportunity to like, he, cause he just slices towards it and then we see the damage. But the problem is we see the damage on the floor and we see the damage on the um, Yeti and they're not cohesive. So they could have fixed that by just not showing the arm and just showing the Yeti uh, with the shoulder chopped off. Uh, so that's how you could fix that one. Just just <laughs> cut out the arm on the floor. <laughs> I um, agree. My next note is about Obi-Wan when he appears to Luke. Mine is a little before that. It's just the feels when they close the door and uh, Chewbacca yells because yeah. they're trapping them out in the night. Oh my gosh. I was like, this is way too early in the movie to be this emotional. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was like they like, we have to close the doors now. And then like everybody's like looking at her and Chewbacca's staring at her and she's like, go ahead and close the doors. And then they're looking at the doors and then their C3PO says something and not comforting. And then Chewbacca's just like makes his yell of like, no, my friend is out in the snow. <laughs> just like Oh, that's so sad. Poor Chewbacca. He's got a, he, he has a rough life being friends with Han. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Chewie. Yeah, no, um, that's a really good scene, I think, for the fields. It, it shows, like, right off the bat what these people ha- have at stake, you know, what they're doing and sacrificing in order to get freedom in the galaxy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, my next note is the same when Obi-Wan appears. So what's your note? Is it that Qui-Gon taught Obi-Wan, not Yoda? That is it. Yep. (laughs) I was like, wait, Yoda instructed Obi-Wan? Question mark. No, he didn't. (laughs) He didn't even. Wait, I thought like he didn't even know. He didn't even do Qui-Gon. No, no, no. So here, here's the, the lineage, I guess, or the order in which masters have taught apprentices. Yoda taught Count Dooku from episode two and three. Count Dooku Mm -hmm. taught Qui-Gon. Qui-Gon then taught Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan then taught Anakin Skywalker. And then Obi-Wan teaches for like a week or two Luke. Yet Luke has apparently learned much from Obi-Wan. And I'm giving it like a week to be generous, but I really think it's more like three or four days they spent together before he died. But apparently he learned a lot in that time because everyone keeps saying that, which was another note, by the way, that everyone keeps saying he learned a lot from Obi-Wan in three days. Maybe he um, did. I don't know how maybe. fast Jedi training goes. <laughs> was this the first time that Obi-Wan appeared to him ever? Because Obi-Wan could as have a- trained him as a force ghost. So like, they he kind of talked it- to him. He talked to him at the end of four, but yes, I think this is the first time he saw he saw him. The first time he just heard him. So could he have been teaching him Force Ghost? <laughs> or like so he learned from Obi-Wan even after Obi-Wan died, or 
I don't know. Maybe, you know, it doesn't say that, but I mean, that's a possibility. We could go with that if we're wanting to like close the plot hole of everyone keeps saying Obi-Wan trained you well for three days. Um, so yeah, maybe Obi-Wan does come back as a force ghost and keeps talking to him and telling him what's up yeah. for that one year. I mean, I like that. Because it seems weird that he would not talk to him. You know, he would talk to him when he's blowing up the Death Star and then not talk to him for a year and then appear to him. That seems weirder to me than him randomly showing up and, you know, teaching Luke stuff. The old one, Obi-Wan has really weird logic, like the whole Darth Vader betrayed and killed your father, Yoda trained me. Yoda was on the council. I'm sure Obi-Wan learned many things from Yoda. And, you know, he was in the lineage of having been taught by Yoda, like that lineage went up to Yoda. So, I mean, with Obi-Wan's logic, when he said you know, that Yoda trained him, that could be the same logic he used that Darth Vader betrayed and killed Anakin Skywalker, or that he didn't ever own a droid. (laughs) (laughs) It's old Obi-Wan logic. Also, and this is in four, not five, but he gave Luke a lightsaber and said, your father always wanted you to have this. Like, um... His father kept losing the lightsabers. Like, his father didn't even care about his lightsabers. He, He just, like... Like, that was the running gag, was that Obi-Wan's going to kill him because he kept losing his lightsaber. How did he even get his lightsaber? Does he pick it up after he chops all of his limbs off? You know, I think they did put that in three because that was the one time they decided to be cohesive between the prequels and four, five, and six, the originals. So he does pick it up. That's what I remember seeing. And then he just makes up stuff about how his dad wanted him to have it. Because we, I mean, we establish in two and three that his lightsabers are not sacred to him because he drops them all the time. He has to have them handed back. They get cut in half. He drops it and loses it. And then he's like, Obi-Wan's going to kill me. So they've established that his lightsabers are not sacred to him. So I think Obi-Wan was just lying about that. <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're well, again. wanted to get, yeah, his, his logic is a little weird. Yeah, this old Obi. I'm just gonna call it old Obi Wan logic. Anything that doesn't line up usually has to do with Obi Wan, actually, and it's just because of his logic. Yeah. Um. Uh, let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Um, My next note is about the ATAT, the Walker thingies. Um, I have some notes before that. So I think I have. Go for it. You have the walkers in there, maybe I don't. Um, the kiss. The infamous sibling kiss. Which no one knew they were siblings at the time. So if you watch it, the in order didn't know. <laughs> no, they didn't. The actors didn't know. No, literally only George Lucas know or knew. Sorry. Only George Lucas knew. No one else in the entire universe knew except George Lucas. Um, so why you would let them put a kiss in there? And it's like, because I don't know, when I watched it when I was younger, it was like a peck. But when watching it as an adult, and I noticed this last time I watched it, not just this recent time, but like, it's a real kiss. Like, it's a it's a couple of Mississippis, steamboats, whatever, you, however you want to count. Like, it's a it's a long kiss for siblings. And that's just so gross. The infamous kiss. 
I I really wish that they had not put that in there. I understand the lot like the storytelling behind it is hilarious of like um he's flirting with Princess Leia. She's not flirting with him, but she's obviously not really backing off his advances. Um and then she's like, "Oh, what? You don't know anything about women. I'll just kiss this kid here that I know has called me beautiful before, has shown interest in me. So even though like, ew, siblings, like it's still kind of a messed up thing for her to kiss Luke because she like, she's obviously attracted to Han. She's not interested necessarily in either of them. And I feel like that's kind of a messed up thing to do to kiss him because that's leading Luke on. And so anyway, rude move by her and gross because it actually turns out to be her brother. Well, again, they, you know, they, they didn't know. And again, George Lucas uh, said he knew at the time because Yoda has that line much later in the movie. No, there is another meaning Leia because Leia also is strong with the force. But like, so if you know that two characters are siblings and you're in charge of the story, he, he wasn't one of the screenwriters, at least not that I saw at the end. He was, it said story by, and then it said screenplay by other people. But like, wouldn't you be like, hey, hey, writers, come over here. I have to tell you something. They're siblings. Is there anything else you can do? Anyone else there that she could kiss? And he, like, Because that's going to be kind of gross later on when I reveal that they're secretly siblings, you know? Like, mm-hmm. I don't understand... Yeah, I, I don't understand how you just let that go. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, Especially I do because that. she kisses him a second time in the movie. She kisses him at the very end of the movie as yeah, well. I, I noticed I have, that. I have that note too, and it really bothers me because she literally does it the scene after she says she loves Han. But we'll get to that when we get to the end. Um, yes. But yes, I totally agree. Like, yeah. But yeah, this kiss was way too long, way too intimate <laughs> for knowing that they were siblings and they should I don't know I have I have nothing I have no way of other than just cutting it or having her kiss Chewie or having her kiss some random hospital attendant or guard or somebody else having her kiss them would have been less gross and it wouldn't have made her seem like such a jerk for leading on a boy who is already I mean he's not a boy he's like 20 but leading on a guy that she's he has already shown interest in her so i think that's rude of her and i don't like it when girls do that in movies so um my next one is um uh, vader senses luke so as soon as like they blow up um one of the the, the empire sends out these droid things to scan all the planets in the galaxies and um one blows one up and he's like the emperor or the empire knows that we're here you know we better like start uh evacuating basically and then we go to the bad guys spaceship and they're talking about like oh, well, we can't follow up every single lead. You know, like, how do we know that just because it got destroyed doesn't mean that they're there? 
And, but then Vader walks in and he's like, no, that's it. That's where it's at. I know it's there. So my question is how far away were they? And can like, can he sense Luke and Leia through like the screen? How does he, like, you know, I don't know if it's, I see, I didn't take it as sensing. I took it more as he had more experience and experience in hunting rebels and saw that and was like nope that's their base that's like a really isolated far off planet and system that they would choose like just kind of followed it logically more like and the fact that it got destroyed and they were saying you know like there's no life forms on there but the, or sorry that there are life forms on there but that doesn't didn't mean that there are necessarily human life forms like other things like i i took it more as he kind of just logically put it together but so as far as sensing maybe they were only like one system away and maybe Darth Vader as Anakin Skywalker as the chosen one or finally get to see how awesome and amazing his power is compared to other force users and the fact that he can sense people across an entire galaxy they, either way I'm fine with either way I just Mr. Made of, he's, he's made of midichlorians <laughs> like he has to have something cool to do with them yeah I mean because like they can communicate like they've established that or they established in this movie that you can communicate with people through the force far away but that connection has always started at a face to face thing and it doesn't ever show you where they are. You know, like you can't sense them closer or farther and like pinpoint where they are when you're using that talking connection. So, and they, they re rehash that a lot. Like you can talk to people far away, but you can't figure out where they are. Um, mm -hmm. And they, they do that in the, the sequels as well. Um, so my next note is I love the bromance when Han and Luke say goodbye because <laughs> they're like he like Han literally just risked his life and went out there and saved Luke completely saved his life and they bring him back in and everything and then they're just saying goodbye and Luke doesn't say thanks for saving me they don't hug it out it's just it's just a super awesome understand look at each other yeah, I saved your life. You're welcome. Thanks for saving my life, bro. I have always got your back. So long. When We'll see you next. Whenever I see you next, you know? I just love that moment. Yeah. I love that moment because it it shows just how strong their connection is without them saying anything. And I love that. I yeah. think it's great. I don't think I wouldn't have changed anything. I just really love that. No, that was a really great scene. I really like being able to see their friendship in this movie. And I'm glad they established it early on because they're not together for the rest of the movie, basically. Yeah. So it was really nice being able to have that established right off the bat so quickly so that the rest of the movie makes more sense as to why Luke is so... I mean, obviously, Luke went after Leia without even knowing her with the same kind of desperation, but like it made more sense this time and also helped establish Han as becoming less selfish and why he stuck around with the rebellion and that he's changing into someone who actually cares about stuff. Yeah. I like that. 
Um, okay, so mine was about the walkers. Yes, that's my next note. I don't know where the walkers can. Oh, yeah. So that's when they're off planet. So um, my next one is the Vader. Is everything? No, the walkers are Vader. Yeah, so go ahead and talk about the walkers because I think I'm after that. Yeah, yeah, Vader comes in a bit after that. So they're not able to like blow up the AT-ATs or I think they're AT-ATs. Please correct me if I'm wrong in the comments, but I think they're AT-ATs, the walker thingies. Excuse me. And then, you know, they do the, like the, the very famous go around with the cable and then release it and they, they trip over themselves. Only one of them does. And then, the ship- yeah, they, they did that with one of them and then they were able to blow that one up. And I was wondering why they weren't able to blow them up while they were walking. Like, what about them being on the ground made them suddenly able to blow them up with their little ships, whereas before they said they couldn't do that. Um, the reason that they cited for not being able to shoot them was their armor. So I'm guessing when they hit the ground, they cracked the armor and they were able to, like, get in a kink. Because if you watch where the blast hits, it hits an increase. And so I'm guessing mm-hmm. it, they I'm guessing that the falling on its face would, broke the armor and then they were able to hit in a place that the armor was cracked. That's that's how I saw it. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. Um, my other note was during the people, every, like the whole following scene, like people evacuating and the empire firing. Um, what was your note? My next note was Darth Vader's music is awesome. And I liked in this one, every time you see Vader, you have the the Vader music, which just makes him an awesome bad mm-hmm. guy. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. I feel like it separates him from other villains because it's so iconic. And I feel like if you did that now, you would be copying Vader like he did it. And I don't even know if he was the first to do it, but now it's so iconic to Vader just having your own theme music every time you are on screen. Um, it's like, isn't that what Seinfeld did on Seinfeld? Like he had like a little thing every time he came on screen. They had like a little bass guitar action. I don't know. I haven't watched Seinfeld enough to know. Okay. That's what I, I, I have never seen Seinfeld. I just have... I've heard the little bass part thing and I know about Seinfeld and I thought that's what happened every time he went on screen. There's a play I really enjoy watching that makes a joke out of that. So that's how I know about it. Anyway, but yeah, no, I think you're right. Vader definitely is iconic. Like he's just this really epic villain. He's what a lot of other villains are based off of, I think. Um, after that, like a lot of people took inspiration from what Star Wars brought them in terms of what a villain could be and the epi- epicness that you could have with no facial expression, not a whole lot of words. He's not a whole, t- he's not a very talkative person, more in this movie, but not so much in the first one. Yeah. Also, I want to say how awesome um, his voice is. Who's the actor that does his voice? 
Oh name? my gosh, I know his name. I can see his face. Mufasa. I can see his face. James Earl Jones. Yes. James Earl Jones. James, James Earl Jones. Yes, yes. Okay. James Earl Jones. Yes, yes, Okay, yes. so shout out to James Earl Jones for doing his voice because I recently saw a video of the original, like the actor, the person that is in the suit. They did, they shot everything with his natural voice. And it is a completely different movie. Like, I'm so glad that they mm-hmm. decided to dub his voice over because it is so cool. And then watching it with his, with the actor's voice, the, not, the, the person that is in the suit's voice was completely not the same person. <laughs> so that was a good decision on their part. Like, we have to give props or props are due. And that was a good decision on their part. Not that the actor did a bad job. It's just a completely different take on the character. Because he just Yeah, and we're so used to the James Earl Jones version. Yeah. And he really does have a very iconic voice. Yeah. Um, so my next note is the line when and it's a it's a good note. I love it. I think it's hilarious. But when they're trying to take off, so all of the the empire is invading their camp and everybody is on their evacuation transport. Um, Han and Leia get stuck. They can't get to her transport. So he's like, I'll take her on the Falcon. The Falcon, uh, the millennium Falcon is not starting. (laughs) And she is like, would it help if I got out and pushed? And then I (laughs) love the part where without missing a beat, he looks at her and he's like, it might (laughs) just like, (laughs) <laughs> it's so good i love their banter i yeah it's so funny <laughs> it might I, <laughs> I adore no no you don't understand i had the same note like i adore han and leia's dialogue throughout this whole film it so their timing is impeccable the acting from everyone in this movie is just so much better yeah it's better especially <laughs> mark camel and Carrie fisher because i think they they had more to work with in this one mean just like it had been longer and people knew the material a bit more and they had a bit it the first movie you know is always exposition this time they're able to kind of just dig into the characters a bit more and stuff anyway the acting is impeccable their timing especially harrison ford and carrie fisher they the way they play off each other they have what we wanted anakin and padme to have in the they're always having the same conversation (laughs) they know how to flirt even though, but that's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, yes. he's always like after her and teasing her and clearly interested. And she is like flirting in a way of like, no, I'm not interested. And, but she's also flirting with him, you know, like she's not, you know what I mean? She doesn't actually want him to leave. She doesn't actually want him to stop making advances at her. And it shows and it's clear and <laughs> And it's the opposite of Anakin and Padme. (laughs) (laughs) No, yeah, they had, they had what we wanted Anakin and Padme to have. Absolutely. 100%. One of my favorite, like if ever someone was like, I don't understand how to be like flirty and argumentative or like how to take characters that start off hating each other, then love each other. Like you want the perfect way to handle that romance. Just watch episode five. Yeah. Like their their dialogue, their timing, their chemistry is just wonderful. I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah. 
Um, and then can we talk about how like the Millennium Falcon is flying up and there's these Star Destroyers, which are the triangle Dorito shaped ships and the Falcon <laughs> makes two of them collide. I had never noticed that. Before. Yes, I have that. Note. I never noticed that before. But <laughs> the guy's like, "Oh, steady everything. Like, put the shields up." And it's like you're running into your own ship. That's so hilarious. Yeah, to me. and I, I had never noticed that. Before. I have that note. Yeah, no, I have that note. Like, they're two ships crashing into each. Other. <laughs> Han is just a pain in their necks. He really is. And he just, he outwits the Empire so many times. It's really, it's really funny. I, I enjoy that Han is, has the ability to just kind of get himself out of tough situations. Yeah, I thought that was just, that was hilarious storytelling in, and it was so subtle and it was so quick. And it was, because he's just like, you know, moving around, maneuvering really quickly. And then I, all of a sudden they're like, I'm like, they're like going to collide. And then they do collide and they don't like sustain any yep. like huge damage or anything, but they collided. And that's just hilarious to me. Like, yeah, like the most feared entity in the galaxy. And this tiny little ship just made you run into your own ship. It's that's hilarious to me. I don't know why. I think, no, I think it's great storytelling. It's showing that not only does he get himself out of tough situations and, you know, he's very serious about toppling the Empire, he's also kind of a thorn in their side. He's like a Robin Hood kind of, I'm just going to annoy, annoy? I said annoy. I'm annoy. <laughs> I'm just going to do things that annoy you, that embarrass you, that just cause a nuisance. I'm just going to be a nuisance. And I think it's great storytelling. I think it's hilarious. And I also like that it shows Han's personality and how he rebels. Yeah. I, it's great. <laughs> um, let's see. <laughs> My next note is the fact that Luke tells everybody he's going to see them at the rendezvous point. He doesn't tell anybody like, hey, actually, I'm going off on this side quest mission. I might be there later. Like everyone just assumes he's going to be at the rendezvous point. And he never shows up there. Does no one like get worried? Do they not? Does anybody make it? Do anything? Nobody makes it to the rendezvous point. No, some transports leave. Oh well, I mean, like none of them made. Like the Millennium Falcon doesn't make it there. That's true. Maybe so. Maybe there. It's expected that you know. So I'm guessing there's going to be a bunch. I'm guessing a lot of people were really concerned about Luke, but they were also concerned about the Falcon because their princess was on there, whatever general she is at this point. I don't know, but yeah, like he he totally lies, and well, I I don't know necessarily if it was a lie. Maybe he thought, okay, I'm going to go to the Dagmas Dag. I'm going to go to this other system. Dagobah system and I'm going to see this guy and then I'm going to and then I'll see him at the rendezvous point at some point <laughs> you know he doesn't um, he doesn't know how long he's going to be with Yoda and so he has full intentions of going there just not right away um, maybe that that's what I was thinking um, but yeah nobody ever actually makes it to Tatooine in this movie except for maybe possibly the transport ships that launched before them, but the main characters never make it. Okay. You know what? I, 
as stupid as it sounds, I didn't even think about the other things because they, when he said he was taking her on the Falcon, I just kind of assumed he was going to take her somewhere with him since he wasn't going to be continuing with them. I don't know. Anyway, so people were worried about them, but I'm sure they probably were expected to have have some sort of trouble getting there. But they didn't like communicate with anyone in the rebellion, but I don't think they would have been able to. So the rebellion was just worried for a really long time about their princess and commander and possibly captain. Basically, next until note, the end of the movie. Sorry. Basically, until the end of the movie, everybody's just worried about them because they have no idea where they are until the end yeah. of the movie. Exactly. My next note is about Yoda. Um, once we're on the Dagobah system, do you have anything before then? Um. Yeah. So. So, um, the first thing I have, we can just, just, I thought it was hilarious when the tools fall on his head. Uh, he's like, apparently we need to fix this. And then Chewie hands, sets the box down and hands him the part and then leaves the box there. And then they get hit or something and it falls over and it lands on his head. Um, I don't know why I think that is hilarious, whereas I don't find the other humor in the sequels hilarious. Harrison Ford just gets humor more than whoever in the prequels. You know, I love Harrison Ford's sense of humor. I really do. Um, I think it. He has great comedic timing. Yeah, and then I have um, the fire. No matter what they blow up, no matter the fire that's happening on the Millennium Falcon, especially. Um, whenever they blow anything up or it looks like magic it's a blue color and it has little sparkles in it I don't get that I don't know why that artistic choice happened (laughs) I don't know if that was a change that they made or if that's just the way that it has always been but yeah pretty much anytime something was on fire or blew up or anything it looks it looked like magic with little sparkly dots and it didn't look like fire or an explosion so that was interesting that was an interesting choice I don't know if that was technology from the time or if that was from them fixing it I just thought it was an interesting choice and it kind of didn't I didn't like it as much Um, and then all the banter that happens in the asteroid uh, field. They so they go into the asteroid fields. He's like, they're crazy to like it's crazy to go in there. And it's like, well, they'd be crazy to follow us. And then literally everybody follows them into this like ex- like the star destroyer that um, Darth Vader is on. He's like, I don't care about asteroids. Follow them. I want them. I want that ship. You know. And it's like this huge gigantic ship <laughs> goes into this asteroid field. And I feel sorry for all of the the admirals that he keeps killing off. Um, I had a note about that. I have a note. Being promoted to admiral is basically a death sentence, right? Like, no like it doesn't sound that. like a good thing. Yeah, like there. Why is no one like? Nope, I'm just gonna stay as low in the ranks as possible because all the admirals keep getting killed off. He kills like four of them. Yeah, yeah. Poor admirals. Um. Yeah, and then. So they all go into the asteroid field, and then the next one that I have is, like, Luke, who is this super awesome pilot, crashes into a swamp. 
like it's just funny it's like <laughs> use the force and you have all of like these awesome tools you've proven you're this amazing pilot time and time again and then oh look there's a swamp let's hit it it's hilarious i don't he just runs into a swamp I mean, I had a note about Yoda recognizing her too, but he never says he doesn't. So I don't really think that's, I think that's like a non-issue. Um, my other Yoda note is the fact that he's the puppet Yoda. Yay! They didn't try to go back and change him to like a CGI Yoda. Which we are all happy about. Yeah, I put puppet Yoda, yay! Like exclamation point, exclamation point. I was really happy about puppet Yoda. When Obi Wan and Yoda are talking and Luke sitting there, that's my next note. Um, so I have a note of just um, R two gets uh, eaten by the swamp monster and then he gets spit out, and that would have been a really good time for him to be able to fly. I'm sure, if they had had technology back then, <laughs> that would have been a, that definitely would have been on the list. Um, so the next one is like we flash over to Vader and he's in this like egg thing. What is that egg thing? I think it's a place where he can like have his suit taken off temporarily and still be able to like breathe and stuff and maybe stay in contact with people. That's what I took it because there was like that one scene where you come and like it's putting his helmet on yeah. 